You are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. How many of you are ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Take your Bibles and turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Psalms, chapter number one. Psalms, chapter number one. I do believe that I've heard a word from the Lord uh, particularly for you this morning, just particularly for you today. And I believe the Lord has spoken to my heart, and I am ready to preach the word and declare the word to you today in the name of the Lord. Psalms chapter number one. And when you found Psalms chapter number one, would you stand for the reading of God's word in honor of the word of the Lord this morning? And I want to preach to you on this topic today. Let go and grow. Let go and and grow. Say it with me. Let go and grow. Okay? Let's read this together. Psalms chapter 1, and let's just read these three verses of Scripture together. 1, 2, and 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Look at verse number 3, very particular this morning. And he shall be, and he shall be, say it with me, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Let go and grow. Just let go and grow. A new season in your life can be a scary proposition. For others, it's an exciting opportunity filled with possibilities and potential. For those in the second category, a new season that is in our lives awakens us with a visionary within. We're ready to start fresh and leave the old behind with its highs and with its lows and its struggles and its sorrows and then begin to embrace the new. How many of you like it when something new happens in your life that just just takes you by surprise and you just leave an old place in your life or leave an old thing and you have that moment where you embrace the new? You embrace the new. You know, the, some, for some folks, that's a struggle. When Karen and I sold our farmhouse, man, we loved our farmhouse. It was precious to us. We had put in blood and sweat and tears and paint and money in that farmhouse. It was an Amish farmhouse, a 1935 Amish farmhouse. And we had seven acres when we bought that house. And that land was this high, Brother Rose, in front of the door of that house. We had to brush hog the front yard to get to the door of the house, rats and mice and and bats and all kinds of stuff had moved into that house folks thought it was the city dump of pottersville missouri but to us it was our dream house there was metal in the yard popped four tires on the tractor a tractor a, a 65 horse tractor not one of them little 10 horse uh, john deere do you dabbers tractors okay i'm talking a big old tractor with a six foot bush hog on the back pop four tires in the front yard brother 
roads, there was so much metal and scrap metal. Took out four loads of scrap metal out of the front yard in a 16-foot flatbed trailer. Got $1,500 a load for the scrap metal out of the front yard of that place. The front yard, that wasn't even the fields, Brother Rose. And that just got us in the front door. It was a beautiful place. We loved it. We planted fires. We had firms. It was Rose of Sharon North Campus. I'm telling you, there was, there was planted stuff everywhere. Everywhere I could dig a hole, I was planting something. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. But you know what it was? It was a season in our lives. It was a season that only lasted for what? Just a season. And then we had to sell it and we had to move away. But you know what's great? With every season that comes to a close, that God brings to a close in your life, God has a new season in front of you that He wants you to embrace. He has a new season in front of you that He wants you to embrace. He wants you to enjoy. And I'm kind of in that second category. I typically take this approach every year. Uh, as the year winds down, I begin to seek God and I begin to discover my focused assignment for what is the next year that's in front of me. And often every time I seek the Lord, it'll come in a word or it'll come in a phrase. I remember one time in the church that I pastored, God said, this is the year of courage. And for the next 12 months, I preach messages after message after message on having courage in God. Take courage in the Lord. Take courage. And we were talking about courage in our staff meetings. And we were talking about courage at choir rehearsal. We were talking about courage in children's church. Just everything had courage. I'm telling you, David, I slewed, I slewed the giant probably 50 times in 50 messages on courage. I was throwing rocks everywhere at victory. Praise the Lord. We just had to have courage in the Lord. And, and people started new things and new businesses. And it was just a great year of courage and, and then one year the Lord spoke to me and he said this is the year of missions I said do you want me to have any evangelists he said have no evangelists I, I said do you want me to have any missionaries to come in he said have no missionaries come in he said this is the year of missions for you raise money for missions I, I said Lord what about the building fund he said forget about that this is the year of missions I said Lord what about this project he said forget about that this is just the year of missions I went to our missions budget the church missions budget was 18 $160. That, that was the entire missions budget for the church. You can't get one soul saved, Brother Rose, on $1,860. You can barely get somebody to the altar on $1,860 missions budget. And, and I noticed the church wasn't growing. And God just said, this is the year of missions. So I went and we gutted the church. Just anything that wasn't nailed down, we sold it in a yard sale. That first yard sale, we made $9,000 for missions. Just I'm telling you, I was just take anything, any old sacred cow that was in the building I just sold it I, I sold everything I was selling plants and trash just anything anybody want to give me some money for I just gutted the church and sold it and gave it to missions and then that year by the end of that year we had raised $27,000 for missions we picked up five new missionary families you say why didn't you pick up 10 or 12 no God said if you're going to support a missionary give them a good check hallelujah and so we sold some good seed and some missionaries about $27,000 and you know what happened? Our church had an $81,000 indebtedness, and we were behind on that by three months. But we sold that $27,000 seat, Brother Rose, and in the next two years, God paid off that $81,000 in indebtedness, and God gave us an extra $40,000 to remodel the building and all the property and lay a new sheet of four inches of asphalt over the entire parking lot of that building. Hallelujah. In two years' time. 
So when God speaks, He, he gives you a word. He'll, he'll speak to you. He'll show you what the direction is for your life. And, and, and this year, the Lord spoke something special to me. And, and, and this year, as God was speaking to me, I said, God, what is your word for the church? He said, I don't want you to focus on a word for the church. He said, I want you to look to me. Just look to me. And I said, okay, Lord. And I began to pray. And the Lord said to me, priest, prophet, and king. Priest, prophet, and king. All of this year, I have not, I've yet to preach a message on priest, prophet, and king. But personally, in my life, God's been convicting me in the area of priest, prophet, and king. How to conduct myself like a priest. How to conduct myself like a prophet. How to conduct myself like a king. And that, that's just what God's doing in me. And then I got to praying about you guys. And I got to praying about Rosa Sharon. And I, I got to praying about this church service. And God said, let go and grow. Let go and grow. And I began to think about that. And I began to think upon that idea. And as I began to meditate upon that phrase, let go and grow, I began to look at Scripture. And Scripture began to kind of focus in on this whole idea of letting go and growing. Do you know God wants you to grow? He wants you to grow spiritually. I, I'm not, some of us, we're growing more than we are growing spiritually. But slow that down a little bit. Hallelujah. And, and, and grow, grow spiritually. And, and it is the way in the will of the Lord. And it's all over Scripture that God equates success with growth. God wants you to grow spiritually. He wants you to grow spiritually. He doesn't want you to stay spiritually the same the way you were last year and make that out to be the way you are this year. No. God equates success spiritually in your life with spiritual growth. God wants you to grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time you grow up, honey. It's time that you grow up. You, you need some growth. You need some spiritual growth in your life. When, when God thinks about people, He generally thinks in agricultural terms. I, I went out here the other day and just stood out here. I love corn. I, I'm standing out here in the cornfield just looking at the cornfield and just thinking about God. Do you know God calls Israel the grapevine? God calls Israel the fig tree. God calls Israel the olive tree. Every time God calls Israel the grapevine, the fig tree, and the olive tree, He's all talking in agricultural terms. He's talking about something that He desires for it to grow. Scripture just described to us a few moments ago in verse number 3. Look at it again in your Bible. And He shall be like a tree. God's talking about the righteous there. And now He's talking about another subject of growth. He mentions a fig tree. That's growth. An olive tree. That's growth a grapevine, something that grows and needs to be pruned. And now he's talking to me and you in verse number 3, and he says, like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. Do you know that the Word of God is called the incorruptible seed of the Word of God? Jesus is called the seed of promise by the Apostle Paul. Jesus calls Himself the seed of wheat that must be planted in the earth by death and must fall in the ground and die. Because if it doesn't fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. And so God is talking through agricultural terms. In another way, God says these words. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches huh apart from me you can do nothing so everything within this idea of seed and growth God is talking to you God is talking to you in the idea of you're a tree 
Some of you are rose bushes. Hallelujah. You got some thorns on you, but you still grow. And glory to God. Amen. Some need plucked off. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Talking to y'all today. Praise the Lord. But there's, there's a place in God where you're the planting of the Lord. And when God thinks of success, he thinks of growth and fruitfulness. Let me say this to you about God and your life this morning. Sometimes God is not always talking about opportunity. God is usually talking about your personal growth. Do you know God is more interested in your personal growth than He is your own opportunities? Let me say that again. God is more interested in your personal growth than He is an opportunity for you. You know, most Christians that I meet that meet me in the altar and say, pray for me, Brother B, you know what they're really asking God for? An open door. God, when are you going to get me out? God, when is my next... God, what is my next assignment? But they look at it through the idea of doors. God looks at you through the idea of growth. God's really not concerned about opening a door for you as He is about pruning a few branches off of your life and watering you and getting some fruit out of your life. He may not ever open another door for you, but He expects you to grow. Let me say that again. I, this is the word for Rose of Sharon. God may not ever open another door for you ever again, but He expects you to grow. He expects you to be fruitful. He expects you to multiply where you are planted. I've stopped asking God for open doors. You know what I'm asking God for now? Lord, prune what doesn't have fruit on it and let grow what does have fruit. God, grow me, God. Don't open me, God, but grow me, God. Don't give me another door, God, but grow me and multiply in me the individual that you want me to be. And so when God thinks about you, here's how He thinks. Seed. That's faith. Seed is faith. Seed is you bringing the action toward God that God has for your life. Then He thinks this way. Water the seed. Pull the weeds. What's that, Brother B? That's service. It's service. God plants in you, then God expects in you service to pull the weeds and water the plant. That's what He wants. And then the next thing God thinks about in your life, past service and faith, is grow a crop and get a harvest. That's reward. So you have faith, you have service, you have reward. Rinse, repeat. When God thinks about in your life, here's God's idea of success for you in your life. Write this down. So harvest, repeat. So harvest, repeat. You want good relationships? So harvest, repeat. You want a good life? So harvest, repeat. This is God's idea of success for you. God's idea of success for you is not getting a new job or not getting a new place, or not getting a new house, or having a new set of wheels. I got a set of wheels that's 17 years old, air conditioned, don't work, half broke town, got 268,000 miles on it, and I'm driving that thing by faith. But I'm saving my seed, because the next seed I plant, it's going to have air conditioning, going to have some leather in Come on, somebody. It's going to smell good when I get in it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Enough for Breeze came for Breeze. That truck, it's gone, girl. You got to pressure wash that for Breeze in there. Thank you, Jesus. It's simple. So harvest, repeat. Say it with me. So harvest, repeat. Say it with me. So harvest, repeat. Okay? If you want happiness, so harvest, repeat. You want joy, so harvest, repeat. You want good health, so harvest, repeat. 
okay? It's a simple idea, but it's the truth of the way God thinks about you. When God thinks about the action and success in, in correlation together, normally He thinks in the terms of process. That process is called fruitfulness. God wants you to be fruitful. He doesn't want you to just grow. He wants you to produce. Are y'all listening to this preacher this morning? I know this ain't a shouter, but this is the word God has for you. When God thinks about you, He wants you to produce fruit. He, what fruit, brother B? Fruit under the goodness of God. It begins with a seed that has got to be sown. It leads to a harvest. It begins with a sacrifice, but it ends up with multiplication. God doesn't think of you having success, but He thinks of you being a success. Let me say that again. God doesn't think of you having success. He thinks of you being success. What do you mean He thinks of me being successful? He's not going to give you something to become successful. You in you, the power of Christ in you, makes you successful. Having a successfulness in Christ. Being a success. What do you mean being success? Well, part of that success is being separated from the world. Part of that success is being separated from the world and the flesh and the devil. And so God doesn't think of you having success. He thinks of you being a success. When God spoke to the first two people, the first two folks in the, the Adamite line that would bring about the success of Jesus and eventually the death of Jesus and under his, the throne of his father, David, God speaks to the first two men. And when he speaks to them, it's Adam and it's Noah in both of the generations in that, in that pre-antediluvian world. And what he says to them is he doesn't say, Adam, I'm going to give you an open door. He doesn't say, Noah, I'm going to give you an open door. He doesn't say, Adam, I'm going to give you stuff. Although he plants him in a garden and sets him in a garden, the garden was not Adam's success. Though he put Noah in an ark, that was not Noah's success. Though he built that ark with his own hands, that was not his successfulness. What did God say to Adam and Noah? He said the same thing to both men with different opportunities. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Say that with me. Be fruitful and multiply. Lay a hand on a neighbor beside you. Put your hand on somebody beside you and speak into them and say, Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Hallelujah. You see, God wants more for you than just open doors. God wants you to be fruitful and He wants you to multiply. Fruitful in what? Fruitful in your influence. Fruitful in your growth rate with God. Fruitful in that personal relationship with the Lord where it moves from 10 minutes of prayer to an hour of prayer. Where it moves from one worship song that gets you happy to the Holy Spirit. Just thinking yourself happy in the presence of God. A fruitfulness in God where you say no to the world and you say yes to Jesus. A fruitfulness in you where you turn off the TV and you find a good book that talks about the goodness of the Lord. And you begin to read and you begin to digest and you begin to consume and your life becomes more about Jesus than it becomes about you and that fruitfulness begins to grow and grow and grow and grow and you're not talking about motorcycles and bikes and cars and, and bass boats and bows and arrows and guns and weapons and drugs and whatever else you talk about and sports and all these different things. Glory to God, where can we get to Jesus on this, man? I don't know about your football and your basketball and all of the, and, and, your, and your baseball and your volleyball and it just go on, take all your balls with you. Hallelujah. I don't get excited about that. But if you tell me that I was in trouble, you tell me that I was in sin, you tell me I had a burden on my life and Jesus came in and set me free, get out of my way and let me praise God. 
I can talk about that with you. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. It means he wants the happiness that he puts in you, he wants it to multiply in others. I'm getting on to you today, my see. I got you smiling. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, I was talking to her. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He wants that happiness. The most, why would you go somewhere and worship in a church where folks ain't happy? What would you go in? And we call it spirit field. Honey, it ain't spirit field. That's a familiar spirit field, but it ain't the Holy Ghost field. If you're in a Holy Ghost church, you should be happy. You should be happy. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Huh? What would I, why would I go somewhere where I couldn't have joy and I couldn't have peace? You tell me you delivered me out of hell and brought me out of bondage and wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life and I got to be around nasty people? The devil is a liar. Get on out of my church. Find me somebody full of the Holy Ghost that's happy in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I believe folks ought to go out of church as much as they come in. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's why I ain't pastoring no more. Thank you, God. Look at, look at Psalms chapter 1 with me. Look here at this verse. Look, look at the Bible. Come on, look at the Bible with me. Psalms 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. What does that mean? Counsel of the ungodly. Here's what it means. It means the plans, the opinions, and the purposes of the wicked. The godless in your life. That phrase speaks of associations and influences. We tend to move toward the people and the things that inspire us. What inspires you? If the world's inspiring you, you're coming under the influence of the counsel of the ungodly. You need to watch your influences and you need to watch your associations. Why? Because ideas are contagious. Ideas are contagious. Yes, I'll go to the ball game with my son. But when I get there to the ball game, I don't know what's going on at the ball game. He has to tell me all the different plays and the who did this and what fouled this and, and what broke this and what, and what touched down that and what kicked this over this, over that. I, I'm eating my hot dog. I'm drinking my Dr. Pepper. I'm enjoying myself I just because I'm outside and I'm not driving and working. Thank you, Jesus. But, but you got to watch them influences. you got to watch those associations, them people that you hang out with. If you're around people that are cussing and drinking and fornicating and promiscuing and all this stuff, and then you're watching that on TV too, come on somebody, it's influencing you. It's getting in your mind. It's getting in your head. Don't listen to the counsel of the ungodly. Huh? Working with this man, you know, I'm talking to this man, and sometimes when you get around people and you're working with people, you know, you share your ideas. But be careful when you're a Christian and you're around sinners and you're sharing your ideas. Don't share your business with everybody around you. Don't share it around you. Why? Because the counsel of the ungodly will come up and they'll tell you things that they think you ought to do that God doesn't want you to do. God doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want you to act that way. He doesn't want you to listen to that way. So you got to watch your influences. you got to watch your associations. Get around people that are happy. But get around the happy people that love Jesus. Huh? Associate with those people. Associate with the people that talk more about the goodness of God than complaining about all the negative stuff that goes on in church. Hello, somebody. Influence yourself with folks that enjoy talking about the Lord, enjoy talking about the Word of the Lord. Maybe they enjoy talking about something that's true and lovely and precious and of a good report. You should think on... 
those things, huh? Virtuous things. Watch your influences. Watch your association. Look at the second thing he says. He says, he says, counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. What does he mean by standeth in the way of sinners? What he's talking about there is he's speaking about patterns and practices of sinners. Our pattern and our practices should not match the practices and the patterns of the world. We're different. We are out from the world. We shouldn't act like the world. When we get mad at our wife, we shouldn't talk like the world talks. When we get upset with our children, we shouldn't talk like the world talks. There's a different talk to Christians, huh? When we're upset and when we're mad, okay? There's a different talk to us. When the world gets its paycheck... Huh? It spends, it has a different pattern. It has a different practice. When we get our paycheck, 10% of it belongs to God. Huh? 10% goes into savings and we live on the other 80%. Why? Because we're the saved. We're the Christians. We are not like the world. Am I talking to a bunch of sinners in here? Am I talking to any, is there any Christians in here at all? Lord, God have mercy. Help me, and I'm giving a big altar call today, baby. Y'all quiet like this, looking at me. I've been preaching to you for 12 years. Come on. Jesus is a friend to sinners, huh? But being friends to sinners is different from living to their patterns and their practices and walking in their way of life. Jesus was a friend to sinners, but Scripture is clear. We don't walk like the Gentiles walk. Huh? Let's break this down. Get your Bible. Come on, grab your Bible. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. Hallelujah. I was going to read it to you, but you need to see it for yourself. Ephesians chapter number 4. We're just going to teach today. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, and look at verse number 17. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. He says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as the other Gentiles walk, He's talking about sinners now. He says, In vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness and to work all uncleanliness with all greediness. He's saying, Don't be like the world. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't stand in their path. Don't stand in their path and don't practice the same patterns they practice. Had this neighbor. I love Herman Hunt. I love me some Herman Hunt. Backslid, need Jesus. He was a sinner. He had his pattern. He cussed and drank, smoked, did his thing, but he was my next door neighbor. And I never let on that I was a preacher. He figured it out on his own. And we started loving on each other. Baby would make a bowl of chili. That old man, his old wife hated him. He hated her. Amen. But she'd make a bowl of chili, and I'd go over there and carry Herman a bowl of chili. He said, your wife made this? I said, yeah. I said, you want some jalapenos out of the garden? He said, yeah. I'd give him some jalapenos with his chili that my wife made. And he'd ate that jalapeno chili, and she'd bake him a big pan of cornbread, his own pan of cornbread. He'd come over the next day. He'd sharpen the blades on my mower. And, and, and you know, and he'd change the oil in my tractor. He took care of me, you know. And then baby love would make a pecan pie. 
And I say, split that in half, baby. I ain't going to eat all that. And so I'd take the other half and I'd carry it over to Herman, you know. And then Herman would come back to my house and he'd be painting on my porch when I came home from church. Never could get Herman in church. Never could get him in church. He had his pattern and his practice. On Sunday, he drank his beer and he went and he played golf. But you know what? And the more I got close to Herman and the more I loved on Herman, he had a refrigerator in his garage. He had four sons. Those four sons would come home every now and then. He'd cuss and beat them four sons up and kick them on back, send them on back to St. Louis where they where they lived. Amen. He hated them four boys and they hated their daddy. But he would he would be beside me and we'd just love on each other and help one another. And he had a refrigerator. Listen, this was a medal of honor in his shop. It was a medal of honor in his shop. If you got in Herman's shop, you were somebody. Amen. If he invited you in his shop, amen, you had crossed over the threshold. You, you were a part of the family if you were allowed in Herman's shop. You know what that old man did, Brother Rose? He took half his refrigerator and moved all of his Coors Light on this half of the refrigerator. And he said, what do you like to drink, preacher? He said, I know you don't like to drink beer. And I said, no, I don't like to drink beer, but I love Pepsi. And he filled that whole half of that other side of that refrigerator with Pepsi. And he gave me a key to his shop. And he said, now, anytime you want a Pepsi, he just said, you just come over here and get you a Pepsi preacher. And he said, if you're having a bad day at church and you want to drink a beer, he said, I won't tell nobody. <laughs> wow! Man, that's some influence right there. Free beer. And I, I got blessed. Didn't even know I was going to get it. Never drank none. Never drank none. Hallelujah. You see, you can't be like the pattern of the world. You can't act like the world. And the more you separate yourself from the world, yet you love sinners, the more they'll respect you. The more they'll respect you. He didn't cuss around me. Huh? He didn't get violent with his wife around me. He didn't act a fool around me. And sometimes when he did, I'd meet him out in his front yard and I'd say, Herman, you know better than that. He said, yeah, let's go have us a beer and a Pepsi. Glory to God. I went that old man to the Lord. He's going to go to hell if he doesn't get right. Huh? But you can't be like the world. You can't stand in the way of sinners. I never stood in his way. I let him go on and do his sin. I didn't stop him. Don't stand in the way of sinners. They're going to sin anyhow. Let them go. Let them go. Huh? Quit that. Glory to God. Quit that. Hallelujah. And so don't walk being alienated and dark in your mind. And then look at the third thing he says. He says to sit in the seat of the scornful. What does he mean, this seat of the scornful? Verse number three, or, or verse number uh, uh, two in this scripture. Verse number one, I'm sorry. He says, counsel of the ungodly. And he says, he says, uh, he says, stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. What does that mean? That seat there means an attitude of authority. It means an attitude of authority. Do you know your attitude is about 90% of your success in your life? How many of you want to have a good life? Come on, somebody. I want to have a good life, Brother B. you got to adjust your attitude. You need an attitude adjustment. Attitudes are contagious. They'll rub off on other people. I think that's why they got them 12 trees there at the river of life in the garden. When we, when we have to go stand before the Lord in the eternal judgment, they got them 12 trees there. I don't know what we're going to do under them 12 trees, but the Bible says it's for the healing of the nations. Maybe they've got an apothecary there, and we just take leaves off of them trees and grind them up. I don't know. Maybe they smoke them. I don't know what they do with them 12 trees in the, in the garden of life, but maybe we rub them leaves on each other till we all get our attitudes straight. But before we get to the throne, we have to pass by them 12 trees trees amen thank you y'all look it up it's in the book of revelation but it, 
but, uh, but your attitude makes you attractive or it's repulsive to the people that are around you. Folks don't want to be around unhappy people. Huh? The writer of this passage tells us what not to do. He tells us, don't be in the counsel of the ungodly. Do not stand in the path of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't sit in an attitude that is the attitude of the world. Get up out of that seat and change chairs, if you will. And what does he say to do? He says, but his delight, verse 2. You see that? It's in your Bible. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like A tree. What is he telling you there? Seek God. God's the source of everything. Seek Him in the morning. Seek Him in the noonday. Seek Him in the evening. Study His Word. Meditate on His Word. Meditate on the things of God. And then guess what? Get ready to grow. Get ready to grow. You know, the more you're in the Word, God's going to grow you spiritually. You know, the more you're in the Word, the more of your inner man, your spirit man's going to grow, and it's going to grow stronger than your flesh and your mind and your will and emotions. And you're going to be able to say no to the devil and yes to God. Huh? Is anybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? Huh? It's the first step. Listen to this. The first step in growing with your walk with God is decreasing in your focus on yourself. If you want to grow in God, think less of yourself and more of God. You want to grow in the will and in the admonition of the Lord? Think less of yourself and think more of God. And listen, beware of the deception of pride and self-reliance. Seek to be less conscious and become more God-aware. Pride, listen to this, listen to this statement. Pride is content either to lift you up through self-confidence or tear you down through low self-esteem as long as the central focus is still you. Think about that. Pride is content to have you with great, with low self-esteem or great self-confidence as long as you are still the central focus. So pride doesn't care if you think well of yourself or if you think less of yourself as long as you think of yourself. That's what pride does. That's what pride does in our lives. But simply being a part of the vine and being obedient to simply sow a seed reduces my sense of significance and importance in the process because pride is the death of growth. If you don't want to grow, just get your pride up. Get your pride up. Think more of yourself. But if you want to grow in God, think less of yourself. Without His life forth working in you, you can accomplish nothing. Period. Pride resists the sustenance that God provides that seeks for you to rely on self. But humility invites God's nurturing in His leadership. What did He say in James 4 and 10? He said, humble yourselves under the sight of God and He shall lift you up. Now listen to me. Listen closely. A new word for a new season begins with getting over the stuff you went through in the last season. Before you get a hold of this, you have to let go of that. Before you get a hold of this, you have to let go of that. And when I heard God speak to me in prayer about individuals in this church today, He said, I just want you to tell them to let go and grow. Stop thinking about what you're not. Stop thinking about who you aren't and what you wish you had. And start determining to grow toward the person that God wants you to be. That's who you want to be who God wants you to be that's what you really want it's what will really make you happy that's what will really satisfy you see more money won't make you happy more stuff won't make you happy come on somebody 
Another relationship won't make you happy. You know what will make you happy? You need a miraculous way from the Spirit of God to make a better version of the broken you. Let me say that again. You need a miraculous spiritual way from God to make a better version of the broken you. You need to let go and you need to grow. Growing in Christ. Letting, grow, letting Christ grow in you. How do I grow, Brother B? Grow in your faith. Grow in your faith. A faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. Let me say that again. A faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. You need to grow in your faith. How do I grow in my faith, Brother B? Spend more time in the Word of God than you do on your phone. Just some practical things, guys. Spend more time in the Word of God and then pray the Word of God and practice your faith. Don't just be a hearer, but be a doer. Be a doer of the Word. That means if the Word gives you an instruction, try it. Pray without ceasing. Try it. Give thanks in all things. Try it. Don't just hear what I just said. Try it. Do it. Wow, that convicts me. Give thanks in all things. Somebody tried to take me to a place, this evil demonic place. It's called Panera Bread. Hallelujah. They took me in that Panera Bread. They ain't got no food in no Panera Bread. They just charge you money for stuff that you can't eat. Hallelujah. Panera Bread, they took me in there. The demon devil took me in there. Glory to God. And they set me down in that Panera Bread. They ordered me some food, Lisa, like $30 worth of food. And you can't eat it. And the Bible says, give thanks in all things. I said, Lord, I thank you for this that I can't eat, Lord. Hallelujah. You got to do it, y'all. Take me to the catfish house. Don't take me no Panera bread. Thank you, Lord. Go there with your girlfriends. Thank you, Jesus. You get skinny eating in that joint. Glory. Hallelujah. Grow in your commitment. The devil is a liar. Thank you, Jesus. Make a decision. Hush up over there. Glory. Amen. Make a decision that nobody can outcommit you. Commit to serve. Commit to get involved. Commit to get up and get out there and work hard. Volunteer. Make a difference. Grow. Let go and grow. Let go and grow and grow in your giving. What do you mean by that, brother? Your time, your talent, your treasure. Give consistently. Giving consistently makes the list of must-dos for the most successful people in the world. They give of themselves. Pour out of yourself. Let go and grow. That's what I have. Bow your heads with me.